I want to revisit some thoughts on worry and explore some new thoughts. Just to recap from this morning, we learned that the Scriptures instruct us uh, to not worry. Paul says, be anxious for nothing. And instead, we need to be turning over those worrisome, anxious thoughts to God in prayer. And we talked about why Christians have been called to not worry. Uh, It's unproductive, and it betrays a lack of trust in God. And by worrying about lesser matters, we are distracted from being concerned about greater matters, about the most important things in life. And so we talked about how our goal uh, is to worry less and to be content, as Paul said he was content, uh, no matter what the outer circumstances may be. Now I want to share some additional scripture with you that pertains to this, goes along with, with this thinking that we didn't talk about this morning. So the first is uh, from 1 Peter uh, chapter 5. So if you got your Bible, hope you do. 1 Peter chapter 5, we're going to be turning to a few different places. 1 Peter 5, starting uh, with verse 6. Peter is closing out his letter, his first letter, and he is offering some, uh, in, some final instructions and challenges to his, to his listeners. And he says, humble yourselves, verse 6, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Now pay attention to verse 7 here. Casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. So Peter here sounds an awful lot like Paul in Philippians. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, um, in prayer and supplication, make your request known to God. And similarly, Peter says, cast all your anxieties on him. Uh, Because the reason is he cares for you and he wants to hear about those worries. He wants to help you shoulder the load, bear the burden. So cast all your anxieties on him. Very similar to Paul's language in Philippians. Bringing our worries before God will increase our faith in his ability to handle whatever it is that's going on in our lives. Bringing our anxieties before God will increase our trust in Him. But the opposite is also true. Hanging on to those worries, hanging on to those anxieties will choke out our faith. And for this, I want us to look at the Gospel of Luke, uh, chapter 8, the famous parable of Jesus, the parable of the sower. Luke 8. Uh, I want us to look at verses 7 and 14. The sower goes out to sow his seed, and as he is sowing, the seed falls in various places. And one place, uh, we see at verse 7, is among some thorns. And what happens to that seed as it falls in the thorns? The thorns grow up with it and choke it. And... Therefore, that seed cannot grow any further. It cannot mature into the plant it was intended to be. Now, one of the best things about the parable of the sower is that some of his disciples are confused about the meaning of it afterwards. And they ask for some some further clarification, and Jesus provides that. 
And, and we are benefited and blessed as a result because we have that here in the Gospel of Luke. And in verse 14, Jesus explains exactly what he was talking about when he said the sower and the seed falling on thorny soil. He says in verse 14 that as for what fell among the thorns, and we know, of course, that the sower is the one going about spreading the word of God, that's the seed. And the seed that fell among the thorns are those who hear the message initially, and they respond to it, and they're obedient to it. But as they go on their way, or maybe we shouldn't say obedient, they're at least open to it. But as they go on their way, they are choked by, listen, by the cares. That's our word, that word there, cares. That's the same word that we've been talking about that's translated anxiety in various, or worry in various places in the New Testament. That's the word. The cares Riches and pleasures of life and their fruit does not mature. Now, how true is that in our society today? People hear the word of God. They like what they hear about Jesus. Uh, it, It is appealing to them. It's attractive to them. Maybe they are obedient to the gospel. Maybe they do confess faith in Christ and are baptized and become you know, are added by God to the church. But it is these very things that choke out the faith of hundreds of Americans today who initially at least find Jesus and the Christian way of life to be quite appealing. The cares and the riches, that's even a greater problem today than it was then. And the pleasures, maybe that is too, of life, choke out that seed that's growing up that's growing up, and prevent it from maturing. The cares of life, the worries that we've been talking about, the anxieties, when we bring those before God, our faith, our trust in Him will increase, but hanging on to those, keeping those from God, uh, deciding that we don't need God's help in dealing with those, that has the potential to choke out our faith just as it did those folks. Uh, just as it did in this parable where some seed falls among thorny soil. But, as I mentioned this morning, we've been talking about the bad kind of worry. We've been going at it from a negative point of view. But I mentioned this morning that there is a good kind of worry, and, but we're not going to call it worry. We want to call it something else in order to differentiate. And I want you to look with me in... Uh, Back in Philippians, but not chapter 4, chapter 2. And I mentioned this verse to you, and it is in this passage that we are really going to dig in tonight. Philippians, Philippians 2, verse 20. Again, listen to what Paul has to say about Timothy. Hopefully, you all have some recollection of this from this morning. Maybe the nap melted it all away. But maybe some of you remember that Paul in this letter says, I'm going to send Timothy your way. And the reason is, I have nobody like him. There's no servant who who travels with me and joins me in declaring the gospel who is quite like Timothy. He's special. So I'm going to send him your way, and he is genuinely concerned for your welfare. And we talked about this phrase here, genuinely concerned. It is... 
translated from the exact same word that we find in Philippians 4, where Paul says, be anxious for nothing. In Philippians 4, Paul uses it in a negative sense. It's a bad thing. But in Philippians 2, Paul uses it in a positive sense. In this chapter, it's a good thing. Timothy is, doesn't have a negative sort of anxiety or worry. He has a, a good, genuine concern for the welfare of the Christians who live in Philippi. So same word, but a different sense because we find it in a different context. Paul uses it in a different way. And so we're not going to call this good kind of worry, worry. Let's just call it genuine concern. So we're calling the bad stuff worry and the good stuff genuine concern. There's a story told of a young man who was fresh out of business school and he was looking for a job and he saw an ad in the newspaper uh, for a small business needing an accountant. And so he answered the ad and he ended up being offered an interview. He went into interview and this very nervous man who was running this small business that he started himself was conducting the interview. And the man said, okay, I need somebody with an accounting degree and you know, you meet that criteria. But mostly what I'm looking for is somebody to do my worrying for me. And the young man said, excuse me, I don't know if I heard you right. I'm afraid I don't really understand. And the owner said, well, I worry about just all sorts of things. I'm worrying all the time. And one thing I don't want to have to worry about anymore is money. And your job, if you are hired, will be to take all the money worries off my back. And so the young man did said, uh, okay, I understand. Uh, tell me a little bit about what this job is going to pay. And the owner said, all right, I'm going to start you out at 80000 a year. And the young man was blown away. He said, $80,000, you know, I'm just fresh out of school. That's very generous. Do you mind if I ask you how a small business like this can afford a salary like that? And rising from his desk, the owner said, that's your first worry. So get to work. That's your first worry. So we all want to hand over our worries to somebody else. And, and we ought to. And the Scriptures teach us that we ought to hand over our worries to God. We don't need to be carrying these burdens around. But in handing over our worries, we must also hold on to the genuine concerns that God has called us to possess. But my question tonight that I want to dig into a little bit is, how can we properly discern between a worry and a concern? Between the bad one and the good one? between something I shouldn't be nervously fretting about, uh, something that I shouldn't be consumed with all the time, and something that really ought to be on my heart, that I ought to be burdened with, a concern that I ought to have, like Timothy's concern for the Christians in Philippi. So what's the difference? I think that we can figure this out, we can differentiate by asking two really good questions. And here they are. Here are the two questions that will help us discern between worry and genuine concern. The first is a how question. And it is, how am I dealing with this issue? If this is a worry, uh, what am I doing with it? How am I handling it? And specifically what I mean is, have I brought it to the Lord? 
Or am I trying to bear this burden alone? Am I shouldering the load by myself? Let me again share with you what Paul says in in Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. Our text from this morning. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Don't bear your burdens alone. Don't try to handle the stress of the worry by yourself. Hand it over to God. Let your requests be made known to Him. And the peace of God, this is the great promise of the text, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Peace. We talked about it this morning. And this peace comes about from either the experience of being released from a silly worry, if we find ourselves going to God time and again with something that is, that is, that is a lesser concern, that is a petty matter, and we're studying the Word, and we are coming to understand the heart of God, and we are beginning to share concerns that God Himself has, then we will begin to experience a peace about us that comes from understanding that 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 silly thing that I kept bringing before the Lord, that doesn't really matter. And I just need to let it go. Because in the grand scheme of things, it's not a big deal. And through prayer and study and a deepening relationship with God, a peace sets in. And that thing that was making me so stressed and worried all the time, I can just sort of let it go. Because in the grand scheme of God's a uh, great story, it's not a big deal. So peace comes in that way. But peace also comes when we begin to receive God's help in handling a genuine concern. A genuine concern, not a silly worry. When we're burdened with something that matters, going to God with it time and time again, maybe we're not seeing the results that we want to see, but we are experiencing a deeper sense of peace, knowing that we're not alone, knowing that we've taken it to God, knowing that He knows and He cares and He's faithful to help us along the way. Peace is what we receive when we turn our anxious thoughts over to God in prayer. So concern seeks God's help. But on the other hand, worry tells God, I'll go it alone. Worry tells God, I've got it by myself. I don't need your help. Concern says, I can't do it by myself. I've got to have you by my side. So the first question is how. This is how we discern between what is a worry, something we shouldn't be wrapped wrapped up in, and a concern, something that ought to burden us. And we ask this how question. How am I handling it? Have I brought it to God or not? And the second way we want to approach this, the second question is what? What's the issue? What's nagging at me? What keeps, you know, circling around in the brain that I can't quite get rid of? What is it that is worrying me? Is it something that I should be concerned about? Is it something that my Lord is concerned about? Is what's Bothering me something that also bothers God? Is whatever I'm worried about something that is also concerning to God? This is how we figure out if the issue is worth being concerned about or not. 
This word is used in a positive sense again in the book of 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 11. We see in Philippians 2 that it's used positively to talk about Timothy's genuine concern for the Christians at Philippi. But Paul uses it for himself in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Paul is talking about all of the struggles that he's experiencing, that he has experienced as a traveling preacher and minister and missionary. And to top it all, Paul says in verse 28, apart from these other things, you know, I've been I've been wrecked at sea, I've experienced danger in the city and danger in the wilderness, and I've been beaten and I've been thrown into prison and all this terrible stuff for the cause of Christ. And he says, and apart from these other things, there's the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. So there's all the physical stuff. And then there's the interior stuff that's going on. Because I am being abused and persecuted physically, but on the inside, I'm anxious and I'm concerned about all these Christians and all these young churches that are, that are just getting started And I'm concerned about their spiritual welfare and their health and well-being. And I want the gospel to take root and to grow in these various places. And I'm burdened. I have a genuine concern for these beloved Christians. Many of whom I've converted myself. And many of these churches that I've established. And that's something worth worrying about. Or being concerned about, we'll say. Because it pertains to God's kingdom and Christ's cause and the spread of the gospel. It's something that God is very much concerned about. And so that's something we ought to be concerned about as well. And I think about Luke chapter 10. A favorite story from the gospels for many. The story of Mary and Martha. Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42. And all of these places, all of these different passages, we find this word. That's what, that's the common thread. That's what strings them together. This word that we find translated anxiety or worry, or when it's used in a positive way, genuine concern. Let's start in verse 38. This short story about Jesus' visit to the house of Mary and Martha, these sisters. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house, and we know elsewhere that Mary and Martha had a brother whose name was Lazarus, but he is not mentioned in this, uh, in this account. They go into a village, Jesus and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house, and she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. That was Mary, but the text says, Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. She's not going to listen to me, but she's going to listen to you, Lord. If you would only tell her, that would make all the difference. I mean, I've been telling her for years, I need a, I need a little more help around the house. I could use some help washing the dishes and cleaning up. I bet if you told her, then she'd actually, you know, start to pull her weight around here. Lord, please tell her to help me. But the Lord answered her. And you know, the Gospels are 
The Gospels are sparse. We are left in their, in their inclusion of detail. We are left to speculate when it comes to physical appearances and when it comes to the tone that people take when they speak. I'd like to imagine, and this is just me, this is pure speculation, this is Joseph, this is not the Word. I'd like to imagine that the Lord speaks to Martha very gently here. He's not coming down on her too hard. He's not chiding her. It's what I like to think at least. When he says to her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious. There's that word used here negatively. You are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. You're anxious about all this stuff out here that doesn't really matter. There's one thing that matters. And it's what your sister was doing. Well, we read about it back in verse 39. She sat at his feet and listened to his teaching. That's the one thing. That's the one thing that you should be concerned about. One thing is necessary. And Jesus says, Mary has chosen the good portion. Which will not be taken away from her. It's the one thing that matters because it's the one thing that lasts. A single-minded focus and devotion to God, to the Lord Jesus and His teaching. And again, we don't know how Martha responded to that. (laughs) I don't know if she protested, if she stormed off, if she was upset. Hopefully she came around to Jesus' teaching. It says you're too anxious and you're too worried about things that don't matter. Your sister... She's chosen the one thing that does matter, and it will not be taken away from her. He tells Martha to replace her worthless worry with a worthwhile concern. And when we are differentiating between worry and genuine concern, we need to ask, what's the issue? What is it that I am dealing with? And is it something that I should be concerned about in the first place? Is it something that God wants me to be concerned about? Is it something that God Himself is concerned about? Is the burden that I have on my heart a burden on God's heart? And that's how we know. That's how we know the difference. By coming to understand what's on God's heart. Now, in the, in the few minutes we have left, let's go back to Philippians 2. We'll close out here. Philippians 2. We'll call this a case study in genuine concern. And I want us to read this Philippians 2, starting at verse 19 to the end of the chapter. It's a fairly long reading, but I know you can stick with me. And you know, a lot of sections like this that we approach in Scripture, we think, this is just kind of housekeeping stuff. It's like the passage where Paul says to Timothy, when you come, would you bring my cloak and bring the books? And we read that and we think, well, that's not really, there's nothing in there for me. And when we see a passage like what we're about to read, we might think, well, there's nothing really in there for me. There's some good stuff in here from the examples of these early Christian leaders. So let's look at this with an open heart in mind. Verse 19 of chapter 2. Paul says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon. We looked at this earlier. So that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all, the rest of them, seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. 
But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father, he has served me with me in the gospel. So you get a little glimpse into this very special relationship that Paul and Timothy shared. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And we know that that's very much up in the air because of Paul's imprisonment, as we mentioned this morning. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. So what we see here is that the church at Philippi had sent their own minister, Epaphroditus, to assist Paul. And Paul's saying, I want to send him back to you. Because he's been longing for you. And he's been distressed because you heard that he was ill. So we're really getting into the inner workings here of Paul and his compatriots. And we're seeing what goes on behind the scenes, or what went on behind the scenes. Paul says, indeed, he was ill, verse 27. Near to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. If something had happened to Epaphroditus, I don't know what I would have done. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less, there's the word, anxious, having sent him. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. So let's break break this down here. There's a lot of concern, genuine concern, not worry, genuine concern happening in this passage. Paul's concern for the church at Philippi leads him to arrange for Timothy and for Epaphroditus to go there. Timothy is uniquely qualified to go there because why? We've talked about it already. He's genuinely concerned for the welfare of that group of Christians. Epaphroditus, the minister from Philippi, he wants to go back because he's concerned about what they've heard about his physical condition. And he wants to show them, God has healed me. I'm fine. I'm I'm feeling great. I want to ease their minds. And then the Philippians, they're anxious. They're concerned. They want to see their beloved Epaphroditus again. So everybody's concerned about everybody else, genuinely. I think about what Paul said over in Romans chapter 12, verse 10, about outdoing one another in showing honor. Well, here it seems all parties are outdoing one another in showing concern. Not for their own needs and wants, but for the well-being of others. So we as Christians, just to wrap everything up today, we've been called to stop worrying like we said this morning. But tonight, what we wanted to focus on is the positive side of this word. So we hadn't just been called to stop worrying. We've been called to take on genuine concern. So tonight, I want you to ask yourself, what wrong things do you need to stop worrying about so you can be concerned about the right things? What lesser worries do you need to let go of so that you can begin to be concerned about the greater things of God? You see, we need more Christians who are going to be concerned genuinely about the welfare of this congregation. And we need more Christians who are going to be genuinely concerned about the missionaries that we support in various places, who are lifting them up regularly in their prayers, who are every day thinking about 
their latest move and how the gospel is being uh, proclaimed in wherever they may work. We need more Christians who are going to be genuinely concerned about the lost folks in this community. Some of whom meet with us week after week, but for whatever reason have yet to decide to become baptized believers. We need folks to be genuinely concerned about those people. Praying for them. Seeking them out. Bringing more people into our midst so that they can hear about Jesus. We need more Christians not to be worrisome about silly things, but to be genuinely concerned about spiritual growth and the transformation of all believers. We need people to be genuinely concerned about the work and the service that needs doing in this church and in this community. Jesus says, come unto me, my... my well, let me, I was going to read this for you, and I don't want to leave any part of it out as we close. Matthew 11, verse 28. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Skipping to verse 30. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. One way Jesus gives us rest is by releasing us from our worries and helping us with our concerns. And so my question is, are you worried tonight? What worries do you need to bring before God in order for Him to release you from those? What concerns do you need help in shouldering? If you need to be baptized tonight to become a Christian, we invite you. Come forward as we stand and sing.